welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got your friend touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money show, episode 51. In this show, we will review UFC 252, Miosic vs. Cormier 3, and preview UFC on Vegas 7, Munoz vs. Egger, and a little bit of Bellator 244, just the top three fights on that one. I am Bob Voss, your favorite guardsman at MMA State of Mind on Twitter, here with Mike Copehaver at Don't Cope, just win on Twitter. Also follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money show. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, I've had a long uh, seven plus days in work of Hollywood and 100 plus heat. Finally got some days off, and I'm stoked that it's actually on a day where we have the podcast and I could actually rest uh, leading up to the podcast. Absolutely. We want to actually want to give a quick shout out before we jump into the show. Big thanks to Mikey at Mikey Gills there on Twitter for stepping in last week, helping us out huge when I was on vacation with not much internet to speak of. He was really, he really came up big. So we really appreciate that. Go follow him. He knows what he's talking about, especially in terms of DraftKings. You, you watched last week's show, you know that. If not, go back, listen. He knows his stuff. Well, the MMA4 Money Show is here live. We are live on Twitch. We are live on Periscope. We are live on YouTube. But after the fact, you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcast, RSS Feed. We've said we're live on YouTube. We also have the recorded videos there as well as tiny little tidbits of fight breakdowns and little bits just to get you through the week. Please like, share, comment, spread the word so other people can enjoy what you enjoy. We're jumping right into the review of UFC 252 Miosic versus Cormier. Three, although I wasn't here for the preview, I am here for the review. The very first fight on the card, we're just going to go steam throw, steamroll through these first few before we hit some more high-profile names. No offense to the undercard, but Kai Kamaka won the unanimous decision over Tony Kelly. Chris Dawkins won the TKO punches and knee over Parker Porter. Liv- Livina Gonna pronounce it wrong every time I do it. Souza um, got the unanimous decision over Ashley Yoder. Uh, Danny Chavez won the unanimous decision over T.J. Brown. And this one we'll actually start talking da- about the fights, partly because of vets, partly because of new names coming in. Felice Herrig lost by submission, armbar, real early on to Verna Jandaroba. That was a rough. Um, Submission loss, in my opinion. One, because Harrigan was her first time back after nearly two years off of a knee injury and actually had taken some time before that. She did a figure competition for a while and had stepped back from MMA. And now jumping back into it, she got beat rather quickly inside the first minute, minute and a half of the first round uh, by the Invicta veteran. Rough for Herrig. I mean, they said on the broadcast that her gym is completely shut down uh, over there in Crystal Lake, uh, Illinois, probably about 40, about 40 or so minutes from where I am right now. Uh, kind of rough to see the current gym shut down and really not be able to train with much anybody. But I don't know. She's back in it and she lost it. Mike, can you help me break down this submission? It seems super quick to me, like a quick tap. It didn't look like it was getting wrenched too much, but obviously not someone who typically gets my limbs manipulated. I'm not going to say too much on that. So, Mike, what's your opinion? Yeah, I mean, um, it's 
it's not just each his own their opinion on on the arm bar. I mean, it's such a fine line once you get your lo- arm locked up. Everyone's uh, ligaments and tendons and stuff are a little bit different and tighter than others. So I, I'm not one to say how she felt at that position, but I know that uh, it's not worth losing your arm, um, you know, and getting injured so you can't fight in the future. So, um, you know, I just think she was outmatched on the ground. She knew it. And when you are outmatched on the ground in jiu-jitsu or wrestling or versus superior wrestler or jiu-jitsu guy, it's, it's, it goes in your mind really fast. And uh, you, you, you could tell right there because an OG like Herrick, who I believe hasn't been submitted, got submitted by Souza fairly quickly. And I, and I just think that that was the fact that she was that under uh, classed on the, or she wasn't as superior as uh, Souza was on the ground. And it just showed really fast. Well, and that was the thing, because I guess it never clicked that she had never been submitted because I always remember her in scrambles. And she always ends up in bad positions in scramble. So I'm like, she had to have been submitted at some point. So I, I heard you and Mike, well, Mikey, I, I need to start deleting the difference between Mike and Mikey, Mike squared. I need to figure out a... I'm real Mike and he's Mikey. Yeah, also go with real Mike. That's what we'll go with real Mike and Mikey. Perfect. Awesome. So I, when you guys said that she'd never been submitted, I had to go look back because I'm like, she's always in these scrambles where she ends up in bad positions for long periods of time. She has to have been submitted and... I was shocked to find out otherwise. And then how fast it happened this time. I mean, I know it's different in the choke as opposed to like not wanting, especially after being out for so long, repairing a knee. She doesn't want to be out almost just as long to repair an elbow, shoulder situation. But I don't know. This was the start of the veterans losing. This was a very like your favorite, your favorite fighter or favorite fighter from the past is losing like suck it up buttercup it was it was gonna it was a bad night for nostalgia we'll put it that way and not even that old of vets but apparently they're all starting to hit that twilight um going right into the next one of a similar situation vince uh pachel who obviously he's in he's somewhat of a veteran too just not as high of a level within the ufc but he beat jim miller by unanimous decision jim miller was looking pretty good early but I don't know. Ever since he went down with uh, Lyme disease that like four or five years ago, even though he claims he has it under control, which I was willing to believe, but he fades so bad late now. Like he used to have a gas tank for five and now he doesn't. And I know you spoke so highly of Vince, Vince Pichel, knowing him for as long as you have. And I mean, I had no bet on this fight. I picked more Miller out of, not on the show, but personally picked Miller just because a longtime fan, love the guy. And he was not looking too good. He was definitely looking worn in the latter half of that fight. But Mike, since you know so much about his Pichel, I mean, by all means, sing his glory. He got the decision here. Yeah, I mean, it was a great fight. You know, uh, Jim Miller is fading and, uh, you know, he's getting older. Uh, he's definitely his testosterone levels have to be dropping. And it's, you could definitely tell him with the stamina and versus a guy like Vince Pichel, who uh, is just really strong in the clinch situation and up against the fence and, he has really good cardio and a lot of heart, and that's what he's always been known for, uh, as well as my brother. It was uh, on the streets, and then in the cage is the heart, and he, he showed it. And it, you could just really see that the Lyme disease definitely is affecting uh, Jim Miller. I mean, his body's not as sharp, and uh, he's just—for an OG, you, I always kind of back the OG in this type of situation. But uh, Miller didn't look not— near as sharp, but I mean, I, I can't say too much because the first round was a little hairy for Vince. And uh, but he sure shit got that done, and it's a huge win for his resume, and another win for the 805 native. And uh, I I can't wait to see who they match him up with next. Like I mean, seriously, man, Jim Miller, that was his. Let me double check that. Forty seventh 
professional MMA fight. And that's just ones that there's record of because there's so much knowledge of him fighting in the underground of like the New Jersey, New York area. Like same thing with Frankie Edgar fighting glorified smokers, but basically professional fights where they weren't getting paid. So who knows how many extra fights he has, but man, he's, I don't know. It's, it's starting to fade away. Like first we had to deal with the fading stars of like the early to mid two thousands. And now we're starting to fade away from the early tens and teens. And man, it's, it's getting rough. So we're not trying, trying to make this too sad, even though we're about to get to a fight where we lost money. But uh, John Dodson, a longtime favorite of mine, is still one of the best fights I've ever seen live was John Dodson uh, versus Mighty Mouse 1. Uh, they did that at one of the UFC on Fox in Chicago at the United Center. And it was one of the best fights I have ever seen. Uh, it was phenomenal. And John Dodson was maybe one or two follow-up shots away from being a flyweight champion. And that was his spot. And obviously, he's not a big output guy. He looks for the finishing shot. And when he gets it, it's amazing. And when he doesn't get it, you get bad performances. Um, one of the reasons I picked this fight, because Mike had messaged me before the show since I wasn't on it. And I saw we had Dodson at plus 200. And the odds on that fight was crazy because it bounced all over the place. And I think at the time of the initial odds, he was at plus 155. When I went forward, it was plus 200. Then it bounced back down to plus 155. And then by fight time, it was, I wrote that down, it was crazy, plus 240. So that thing jumped back and forth over a buck, which is insane. And Murab Dajvelli on the opposite side, minus 175 to minus 280. He got the unanimous decision. But my main point in going with Dodson is Dajvelli hadn't really fought someone that he couldn't consistently take down. He couldn't focus on the takedown. But, I mean, within the smaller cage, was willing to just pin up against the fence. And, like, and... I'll throw this out there for it is I'll take a plus 200 all day who has a chance for a finish and will land. And he was close at one point. He was close and obviously didn't get the finish, but was at least there to a little bit, but I still think anybody that could defend the takedown against Davish Veli and has a little bit more output is giving him major trouble. So here's hoping we get a better, num- better, uh, better number then. So as the great mad dog once said, this is a fade plant coming up. And if you don't know about that, I'll, I'll talk to you in the DMs. <laughs> Mike, uh, this was a rough one, obviously, because we just didn't get the output that we wanted, and he just conceded Dodson did. That's so much to position. But, I mean, high points for him, or maybe you were taken a little bit back more by Davis Shirley than I was and have a brighter future for him. Like, where do you see both these guys after this and the performance itself? Yeah, man. I mean, John Dodson was super gun-shy. Um, his volume was way too low. Uh, he, he didn't seem like he wanted to kill at any time. And and that's that's really what uh, irked us in this fight. He had every single takedown stuffed, which is a huge thing. Uh, that really, you know, gave him a chance to stand again. But every single time that he he finally got squared up, it seemed like he was so hesitant waiting for a counter strike and for a, a lucky knockout shot that he, he just forgot to, you know, the volume and to move and just to do what I guess he used to do. I don't know. It was still a, a great bet in the sense of, um, you know, he didn't take us down once and Marab has taken down everybody a ton of times. I just wish that John Dotson came in there a little bit more ferocious and gave us more volume so that we had a, a little bit better chance. But uh, it's betting, and sometimes you you got to throw it out there. The odds were a little bit disrespectful, and um, you know, but, uh, it showed it when he popped up so many times. Uh, it wasn't like Marab uh, completely mocked mopped the floor with him. I, I still think that Marab has he's got a great future because his cardio is so good. Um, that's the only thing that I see for him is five, he's five round capable. But uh, standing wise, I still see many flaws with him standing, and he's uh, vulnerable. 
Um, I think someone with some mean leg kicks and uh, also with some good boxing will give him some problems, especially have the have the takedown defense needed. But uh, no no disrespect to Marab, he you know he did the game plan he needed to beat Dotson. It just seemed like Dotson wasn't into the fight since after the first round, even when he's just like he's just hugging me. Well, it's like well what it, so do something, punch him in the face, elbow him in the face, bite him. I don't care, do something, fight him. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. Take the L and move on. I mean, Dodson, you've trained forever at Jackson's. You know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to foot stomp. You're supposed to elbow the thigh. You're supposed to do all the quasi-legal things that make mm. you separate. Yeah, and I was joking about the biting, obviously. Fools. <laughs> oh, yeah, all that. But I mean, like all the I'm, – I'm serious about the quasi-legal stuff. I mean, Jackson's is perfect. That. It's all legal. It's a little dirty, but it's all legal. So hmm. you, you just do what you can. I mean, you could everyone go, talks up and back about foot stomps, but I mean, if it'll help them separate, do it. Break the guy's foot. I mean, at some point, it's like if you can't break away from his grip against the fence, you got to do something. Um, this next one was a little bit of shocker. I know, I know, I know to me, and I'm pretty sure both of you from the show, if I remember right, uh, from your guys' breakdowns. So Herbert Burns lost. And lost kind of bad. Like it was very surprising for me to see Daniel Pineda end up on top in the crucifix position, raining down elbows and getting a TKO over Herbert Burns. I, mean, I know Herbert Burns is earlier in his UFC career, obviously Gilbert's uh, brother, but to see him handled like that on the ground in that scramble in that scenario was a little troubling for me. Like I have to, I guess I have to reevaluate uh, where I mark. Uh, Herbert in terms of the division and I mean kudos to Daniel Pineda I mean he was someone who I was super high on when he first got into UFC and had a lot of questions about on if he still had it and I don't know this was impressive because as of now I'm still holding Herbert still pretty high unless unless he goes on quite the skid and then I guess I'll have to rethink my Daniel Pineda thoughts too Mike uh, thoughts about the kind of burns getting blown up here the finish and I don't know those scrambles on the ground yeah, man, I mean, it was a great fight, but it definitely shocking to me. I knew P- uh, Pineda was going to have a gas tank and some heavy hands, and it definitely was going to be a, a, of concern for Burns. But not when I thought Burns could get him on the ground and basically do whatever he wanted with him in the jiu-jitsu realm, and uh, Pineda really showed uh, that he was superior in every way. I don't know if we just super overhyped up uh, Herbert Burns because of his brother, and, and we saw a little bit of things. I always kind of saw that he leave, he left his chin open for uh, strikes, um, you know, but I, I still believed in him. I thought he was going to win this fight. I didn't put that money down. I'm so glad that I wasn't one of those people who parlayed him or gave him out as a bet or, or slammed them. Um, it, it, it just shows you why these parlay busters, are, they exist. Oh, absolutely on that one. And uh hate to say it to everybody, we're about to get to back, uh, getting back to a sad vet situation. Children Dos Santos looks so good. He looks so good on the scale, probably the best he has in, I don't know, five, six years, probably since like the first time he fought Stipe. Um, looked amazing. I mean, the mustache, I'm not sure he pulls off the mustache like how, he, like how you pull it off, Mike. He doesn't, it doesn't quite frame his face the way I think he wants it to, but um, it came in great shape. Looked phenomenal in the first round. Clearly won the first round, in my opinion. Did everything that he needed to do. Looked like he was spry and ready to get after it. And then I just, he can't take the punishment anymore, man. It, it was rough. It's like, I mean, I've heard people already questioning because this is three finishes on, on the losing end for uh, three in a row. If he should retire. And I mean, I know you you want to do that because you like for the damage, if not that, but I mean, at some point, 
I mean, it is heavyweight. These guys bounce back and go on runs. I mean, I mean, just think about Andre Arlovsky. Andre Arlovsky has been on the verge of like being gone forever for 15 years. <laughs> I remember the first time he left, like when he was floating around on like, pretty sure it was him versus, it was gonna be him versus Tim Sylvia on a card in Moline, Illinois, which that might not mean a lot to a lot of people, but if you live in the Illinois area, if you know where Moline is, the mighty have fallen uh, and he found his way back to the UFC. So, I mean, I know JDS hasn't been cut or anything like that. And he has taken quite a bit of damage. I would still say Arlovsky's taken more and some other heavyweights. So it gets to be one of those points that he's going to be able to beat. He's kind of drifted into that. If you can beat JDS, you're a top 10, maybe even top five heavyweight, which is rough at heavyweight with how much damage these guys take. But I mean, kudos to Rosenstruck. Rosenstrike, however we're going with that. Um, he got him, but I don't know. I'm still feeling a little bit rough for JDS because he was he was one of my guys back in the day as well. And because he doesn't quite have it all the way anymore, can't quite take that kind of punishment. Rosenstruck, regardless of what else he has, he has thrown some power. He was very, very tentative in the first round, which you get after getting knocked out in his last fight. But he really poured it on and got the finish. And he's given heavyweight. He's one win away to fight the champion unless somehow that ends up being francis because no one wants to see that fight again but pretty much anybody else he could end up fighting for the championship so i don't know mike i'm gonna send it to you just i don't know i feel like i'm getting depressed talking about this card all of my favorite people are slowly fading away <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean uh rosenstruck looked quite impressive in the, in the first round they were definitely feeling each other out um in the bits of it and then, uh, you know, once Rosenstruck, I guess, maybe lost respect for JDS's power or felt something. But, he, man, he hammered JDS and then seriously pounded him on the ground and put him some major damage on JDS. I, I, I don't like seeing these guys get that uh, bounced around and smashed to the ground that badly at such an old age. Uh, it, it was tough for me even to see even uh, my brother take excess damage at times uh, because, you know... Uh, at least for me as a, a smart businessman, I know that my brain is the most important thing and nutrition after that. And you take care of your body and your mind and your soul and everything goes after that. Um, you know, my brother lacked those things and that's where he landed where he is. It's, you know, it's really tough to see, you know, JDS get finished like that. I I didn't quite imagine him getting finished at all. I thought maybe he lose a decision, but uh, I, I had JDS for a three-round decision myself personally. I thought that he's been around too long and, and would have enough, but uh, sure as sure, shit, Rosenstruck landed, and he landed hard. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still uh, feeling all the feels on that one. Let me, let me, let me, we'll, we'll push forward. We only had one canceled like full fight on this fight card. It was the one that was going to be after this, the Magomed Ankalaev versus Ian Kudalabakar uh, rematch of that weird finish got canceled. So they'll probably rebook that one in the craziness that is every single fight happening in Vegas. Uh, in the co-main event, the hype train got derailed. Yes, there was an injury. Big thing right there. There was an injury. But if you guys go back, not quite a few shows, but like within the last few months, Sugar Sean O'Malley was going to fight Eddie Wineland. The one time, the original WEC bantamweight champion. Very shop-worn. Not, doesn't throw a lot of kicks or anything like that. Mike, the real Mike, made a fantastic point about the weakness that is Sugar Sean's knees, legs, you name it. And he said, watch out for that. And we had talked about betting Eddie with such huge dog odds because it was huge. I think it was like plus like 
500, something, something ridiculous like that. And here we had a similar crazy odds and me and Mike and some guys we talked about with the show and we're in group DMs talking about it. And we were both talking about Vera, man. It was plus 245 at the time we were talking about Vera. We were talking about Vera. We were thinking about it. We were thinking about it. We ended up tabling it for the Dodson pick, which in hindsight doesn't look too well. But um, but I want to throw it immediately to Mike on this one before I even break this fight down and what happened because he called this. And he called this. I don't even know when that fight card was, like three months ago. I'll look it up while you talk just to show how close Mike was to calling this. Yeah, man. I mean, I love Sugar Sean, and I said that on, on the podcast, but I also said that uh, this line was getting super disrespectful for Marlon Chito Vera. Um, it was in a major way where I felt like it was getting disrespectful. I know Bob even talked about uh, possibly betting Vera, and I also liked backing it, but uh, in the end, he chose Dotson, and we backed him. But, uh, man, uh, Vera, you know, when the fight started, you, you didn't really see exactly what happened besides uh, some lower outer knee or outer calf or outer leg kicks and uh they were you know precise precision target shots from uh, cheeto that definitely uh, affected sugar sean's nervous system and then his and made his leg just not function properly and uh it was you know quite amazing i think i said it, it was the eddie wineland fight that i was uh possibly on, on fading sugar sean because i wasn't sure if those if that leg was going to hold up I was, you know, and, and it was one fight too early, and I wish that I was on on this last one, but uh, it is what it is, and it's just the facts that uh, when people are prone to injuries, you really gotta pay attention to those things because uh, they they reoccur and they seem to reoccur very often. Well, and I just double checked on when that was. The Eddie Weinle fight happened just under two and a half months ago, so that is how close. Mike was for this and like yes oh man we were if I honestly I think this is one of those times where if I was on the show and we would have talked about it back and forth enough we probably would have convinced ourselves to go on Vera because that that that's happened before too but yeah. I don't know we, we don't want to because obviously we didn't so we don't want to go too much on that one but I mean Vera looked good I mean he was testing the legs and knees early and given his game plan and working with team uh, Omiyama I guarantee you they talked about targeting the knee, the leg, the ankle. Like, I mean, it, it seems like a weak spot. And he was really like setting that distance early. And obviously one of the kicks probably exacerbated it and started it because in the very next time that uh, Sugar tried to step, his like ankle rolled forward and then he was kind of limping back. And it took a good little bit of shuffling back and forth before even the commentary team started talking about it. But you know, Vera saw that right away and he pounced. I mean, they didn't stop the fight for it. So it kept going on. I mean, it reminds me of... Was it the uh, James Krause versus God, what was the name with the blown ankle? No, I'm spacing. I'll get it at some point and I'll bring it back in. Um, it was at 155. He had a blown ankle and he kept fighting with it and he kept kicking at it and couldn't finish it right away. And he was just dropping down in between. It was Sukumatov. Andre Sukumatov fought someone. No, well, that, that was, was uh, that was that was, that was Mally. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that was that was that was Sugar Sean. I'm talking about the one. It was a it was a UFC Fox event. I can't remember now. But oh my was, bad. I just no worries. But that that was the one for uh, Vera. I'll have to. I'll have to like, it was bothering me. That I can't remember. It's someone that's like just big enough in the UFC. But I'm spacing now. There, at this point, there's too many fighters, guys. There's too many fighters in the UFC, especially. And now, if you start counting guys that have had fights in the UFC, now we're getting into the thousands and. My brain is only so big. I got one of the fighters, though. I know it was a James Krause fight with the broken ankle and the limping and all the craziness. But regardless, Vera w took it to him, took him down, and the fight was not called for the ankle. The fight was called for 
the damage done after it. This is different, even though uh, Michael Chandler on Twitter and since has talked about when it happened to him against Brett Primus, that was different. He couldn't stand between rounds. He, the, he slipped off the stool because the guy pulled the stool out and he couldn't get up under his own power. So that's why they called it then. This was before it hit the end of the fight. Vera capitalized on it, took him down and put a beating to him. I'm not saying Sugar still doesn't have like a high ceiling because he absolutely does. But the injury and the damage thing going forward might be a little bit of an issue because he's only 25 to already have so much uh, just on the one leg between knee and ankle. This is getting a little confusing. I don't know if it's maybe he's like depleting too much to get to 135, like not being a wrestler in the past and not used to that weight cut. And he's a little bit too depleted. So he's not used to taking that much damage. I don't know. But uh, definitely it's not to, to us hype trailed right uh derailed so i hope they put that energy on uh, cheeto vera who's consistently just gotten better and better and better and really his only hiccup was a bs decision within the last year otherwise he'd be on a ridiculous win streak and has looked phenomenal so mike where would you like to see i'm not going to spring up sugar sean because i mean i don't even know when he'll be back because i've heard about this injury it could just be like if it is a bone thing like they're talking about in there that could be six months if it's something else it could be less but where do you want to see cheeto fight next because you get the feeling he wants to just jump back in the next time he has an opportunity oh man you know i off the top of my head i don't even know uh what i want to see i just i just know that he deserves uh definitely a top three opponent if not uh the champ soon uh, he's proven himself they, they hyped up uh, sean o'malley and you know he derailed them pretty fast I, you know, was high on Cheeto myself. Like I said, the line was disrespectful last time, but I was just on high, as high on Sugar Sean. The only thing that I was scared of was, was a possible uh, injury, and that's it's pretty much what happened. I was just one fight early calling it. Taj, re glancing over, it was a BS decision over uh, Yudong Song, who has a happen, tendency to get these BS decisions. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm almost down to watch a Cheeto Vera fight. Uh, fight. Marab Davishvili. They fought on the same card. I kind of like Cheeto's angle. He's got the striking to do it. I'm just trying to think if he'd be able to stay off the cage for long enough to put it on. But I don't know. I'd be down to see it. It'd be exciting at least, which you can't say for all Marab's fights. So, <laughs> but uh, Marab being the cusp of the top 15, or he might be within the top 15. And um, Sugar Sean was was ranked before Vera beat him. So I would hope that. I don't think I saw that, but I would hope he's ranked after this. But, I mean, regardless, we will move on. Don't want to completely crap on Sugar Sean because he does have talent there. And I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I can't get past the rainbow hair. I'm trying my best. I'm really trying my best to get past the rainbow cornrows. And yeah, this, time, this time was more disrespectful. It was, the rainbow is weird, but this time was at the Ecuadorian flag. Uh, I believe it was Cheeto's home country was mm-hmm. blue, uh, red, and yellow. Uh-huh. And so it was a disrespect to Cheeto, and he got disres- he got disrespected for it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Main event. The Midwest champ. Sorry, I'm going to keep saying it. I don't even Stipe. care. I, I am beyond biased on my man Stipe. And you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care. I always preface anytime I go with Stipe that it's there. But, man, I'm happy he got this win. It. He's only 37. He has no plans on retirement. I mean, like, this is the fight that can, this win that can just like set up his legacy. Cause he, even though everyone's talking about who he's going to fight next, and he's probably going to be an underdog in both of those fights, the France Nagano one they're talking about and the John Jones one they're talking about, I'm like, at this point, don't care. Bring him on, man. His, his, uh, resume speaks for itself. And anytime he fights someone, he does better in the rematch. It's just, it's, it, like, he just does. I, I, like, it's almost 
I'm still nervous about a Francis Nagano rematch because of the power, but he really does. He does better in every in every rematch. He had a close, almost near split decision win, even though it was a loss to JDS the first time. Next time he fought him, finished him. Lost to Stipe early in the first round, which I'm sorry, that was after the uh, Francis Nagano fight where he just took so many shots to the head. You can't tell me he wasn't compromised going in there, especially with how much he was able to take in the next two. He took way harder shots in this fight than he did in the first DC fight. It was phenomenal. Obviously, he's still getting hit with the same shot, but hasn't quite got the defense for that one yet. But I'm sorry. It was just I was nervous after that first eye poke that he got. Because I'm like, oh man, not again, where he's just going for the eye and the eye he just got repaired. He's going to be sensitive about it because he just got it repaired. was nervous about losing his eyesight and everything. And that's why he like, delayed this rematch for so long. And then in like the weirdest twist, because Mark Goddard saw that eye poke like that. He was on it when that eye poke happened. Stipe, he's like, oh, separate, separate. Are you okay? Okay, okay, good. And then, and that, that was an eye poke. I'm not saying it wasn't. But then Stipe, I mean, non-intentional, but Stipe goes like third digit deep gouge. Like it was like, if it was on the ground, it would for sure have been a gouge. Like it was when they slow mode it. Cause you didn't necessarily see it at the time. Like I didn't see it live really. Uh, Cause there was already, no matter what anyone says, if you look back at it, there was already swelling on that eye on DC. It was already starting to swell shut. So like when he was kind of like doing stuff with it after, I just assumed it was starting to swell shut. Like I didn't think too much of it. Um, and then when they showed it go in, I'm like, I've only seen a couple eye pokes that were that bad, but oh man, that was that was a rough one. Um, and it, it it added to the fact that uh, DC, I mean, they said it on the broadcast, but DC has always said that he takes the third round off in a five round fight to conserve energy, and so DC, so Steve poured it on even more. It was ridiculous. It was it was so great. Um, I thought it was. I scored it clear three two to uh stipe um first one first round i think it was pretty clear for dc and even though he said he was gonna put on his wrestling shoes and do some wrestling and everyone's asking why is he doing wrestling why is he doing wrestling if you got a guy that consistently takes the third round off to make sure that he has enough energy to go through his wrestling dominant game plan is only going to be so wrestling dominant it's that's such a energy depleting game plan and 41 year old dc who had to cut like 50 pounds for this fight does not going to have that kind of energy i mean he's a great guy he's you can't technically say he's the perpetual runner up because he was a champ at heavyweight and light heavyweight you probably could have been able to say it if he got heavyweight first like not steve a but for someone else but never beat john jones and lost the trilogy to steve a i mean he's he's still a legendary fighter but man i'm I know. I'm pumped for Stipe, and I will keep talk, waxing poetic about Stipe all day, but I'm going to throw it to Mike before I just – I fluff up my favorite fireman a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. After the after the Dotson L, I really needed the Stipe win for the podcast and for the show. Uh, I, I don't really like when we have an L going into the you know to the last bet, but I was really confident in Stipe in this situation. Uh, you know, it was it was a great fight. Uh, the eye poke was tr- was wicked, man. I mean, he looked like something out of a horror movie or or something out of like Goonies or something just gross in general. Um, I, poor DC man, I love him and Stipe, so uh, I really felt for him. Even though a lot of the times in bets, it seems like that would happen to my uh, fighter that I bet. I would get that vicious eye poke, and I'd be dancing around, pretty much uh, screwed and gonna get the L. 
Uh, so when it was DC who got the eye poke this time, I was a little bit delighted. I'm not going to lie. Uh, only in the sense of that the bet was a little bit more secure. Um, but I, it wasn't a sure thing at all. Um, Stipe didn't pour it on enough on round five and stuff, and he made it a little closer than I would have liked things because uh, Cormier's got the heart of a lion. I mean, I, I, he could barely see, probably couldn't see it all out of one eye. He still was swinging, still trying his best, still stuffing takedowns, or still doing what he could. Um, it's just quite tremendous. I was so stoked that at least we won the fight and got the, the one unit back for the podcast. So we ended up even for the night. I'll take an even night after a uh, first L any time. Um, you know, stoked. Well, yeah, and I didn't mention that this was our second bet of the night. And one thing we've said on this podcast, and it's something we've tried to keep with for the most part, unless there's some glaring ones. But on top of we were going with an L going into this main event, we also don't like betting main events. <laughs> like it's like one of our or heavyweight top yeah this was the rare one this one broke two of our like five rules but yeah. it was worth it so <laughs> good as the c bay he's my champ hashtag we my love, champ we love you, you know, steve i'm gonna i'm gonna have to buy likely the horrendous fireman company owned coffee that sponsors you based strictly off this <laughs> like i will send them money because they sponsor you and you're on their social media at this point. I'm going to have to get a steep based shirt just so I go wear it around. Hopefully it's not like every other heavyweight shirt I've ever bought. And like after I buy the shirt, they're on a steep decline. Because that would get like I got the I got the Shane Carwin shirt going into when he was fighting uh, Brock. So that didn't end out well. Then I got the uh, JDS Sagano uh, Nike shirt after he beat. Um, I think it was after he beat came the first time that didn't go well so i haven't been buying a lot of well i made sure it's in general and let alone uh i'm not gonna lie, i'm gonna stop buying fighter shirts because in hindsight i also bought a rich franklin shirt the weekend that he fought forrest at 205 and lost i need to stop buying fighter shirts man i'm a jinx <laughs> i take it back hey i'm not gonna buy your shirt whoever fights you next i will buy their shirt and then we'll put some that good juju on you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ended up uh, with an even night, and uh, we are going to jump from a UFC event to a Bellator event because yes, Bellator is back, and yes, we don't always color cover Bellator, but we're going to cover the top three on this one because the names and because one of my all-time favorite 205ers is back at 205, even though he's a double weight class champ. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC. Uh, sorry, Bellator 244. Now their numbers are even getting similar, so it's starting to throw me. Uh, Bader versus Nemkov. He's finally back down to 205 for the first time since the end of 2017. It'll be the first time he's making that cut after the heavyweight Grand Prix that Bellator had and then defending that title. Um, but we're going to start at not the bottom of the main card because we're only covering the three, but Roy Nelson. Yes, big country is fighting Valentin Moldovsky. Let's see if I can double check if I can pronounce that right. Yes. And check check out these odds. Um, Moldovsky is a minus 1,000 favorite over Roy Nelson. Because oh, we'll do it, but I, mean, I get it. Um, Roy Nelson's chin is was once famous is gone um he's on a four fight losing streak he has lost five out of his last oh man oh this is bad i started mm -hmm. scrolling back and it got sad i was gonna say that he was he's lost five of his last six and then i kept scrolling and then it goes to back when he was doing more every other losses wins and losses and 
I'm just not going to go that far back. I'll, we'll, we'll just stay, stay in Bellator uh, that he is one and four um, and has a vicious loss. In that. Oh, man, that vicious loss to Syria Karatanov. Oh, man. Okay. So obviously, we all understand why these are the odds. Um, Valentin is an up and comer that they really, really like uh, in the division. He has got some solid wins over Linton Vassell, who I've been high on for a while. Like, not great, but he's a good, solid, uh, light heavyweight who has kind of jumped around depending what tournament's going on uh, back in the day. And then even now, I believe he's in the heavyweight Grand Prix. And then Javi Avela, who, I mean, that was the only win that um, Roy Nelson has too. But uh, this is kind of like a young guy. I mean, he's a heavyweight, but he's 28. Versus Roy Nelson, who's borderline just there for a paycheck. I see why the lines are the way they are. I do think it's a bit dis- disrespectful. A guy that only has 10 fights is a, th- a minus 1,000 favorite versus Roy Nelson. But also saying that, I'm not sure I would throw any money at Roy Nelson. But I'll tell you what, I will pick the upsets just because I have a little bit of faith that Roy Nelson has at least one more haymaker in him. What do you think, Mike? Uh, man, uh, normally I would I would go with the OG, you know, especially with that much experience. But uh, Roy Nelson doesn't have a body that I like backing, and he doesn't have the chin anymore. So I, I really I understand the negative one thousand line. I, I'm pretty positive he's going to get knocked out. Yes, likely, and it's going to be sad because as we've talked about, all of your favorite fighters are losing mm-hmm. this year. Apparently, that's been the cycle for the last like five events that we've talked about it's get it's getting a bit rough to be a fight fan uh, in the co-main event julia budd the former featherweight champion for bellator is getting a kind of a layup bounce back fight versus this jesse miley it's m-i-e-l-e and i keep feeling like i'm pronouncing that wrong but oh well we're, we're gonna push forward through it uh bud is a minus 700 favorite rightfully so uh miley is plus 500 on the other side they're just trying to get bud a win um they want to she's one of the biggest names they have in wma especially in the division of chris cyborg she just lost to her in the fourth round so she was able to linger a little bit and that i recall correctly the ratings now ended pretty good so she will likely just whatever they could do to get her back there basically so this is going to be a layup for her she's bigger and she's stronger and she's more experienced and she's basically got everything she's fighting a 35 year old nine and three much smaller woman with a shorter reach and man like she literally has lost to every name on her record like anyone you read on there that you recognize a name she lost she lost to peggy morgan yes that peggy morgan she lost to charmaine tweet and then she beat nobody's just straight up nobody's um, so she's gonna get hurt. Um, so I'm gonna go with Julia Bud, Canada, uh, sorry, Canada's favorite daughter. Um, Mike, quick pick for the co-main event here on Bellator 244. Yeah, I think after uh, the cyborg fight, this is a little layup, uh, a little gift for her uh, for taking the beating in round four. I think that uh, Julia Bud, uh, she's got a little too much more experience and uh, should win this fight by possible, most likely decision, in my opinion. In the main event of Bellator 244, man, this is going to get really crazy because pretty soon, like, I'm sorry, the numbers are just, they're too close together. 244, we just had 252. I have to make more notes, people, to keep this stuff straight. But one of my longtime favorite fighters, just like period in MMA, Ryan Bader is fighting 
back at 205 against Vadim Nemkov. And although Bader has had, I'm actually going to get the exact count right because he's actually been in Bellator for a minute now. One, two, three, four, five, six fights in Bellator. This is his hardest fight. It, 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 it is this Vadim Nemkov guy. He has looked nothing but phenomenal. Uh, he's 28. He's a little bit shorter uh, than Bader. He's got the combat sambo background. Uh, Bader's still too willing to throw, especially if he doesn't have an extreme wrestling advantage. He'll go striking toe-to-toe with you, and his striking's gotten a lot better. It absolutely has. But, uh, man, he had a close fight. He's, I don't know, th- th- this, I'm just, I've been nothing... Basically, any name that Bellator has, this guy has beat uh, at 205 on his way to Ryan Bader. And he's an underdog. Ryan Bader is minus 150. This Nemkov is plus 130. My respect and liking of Bader as a fighter is currently keeping me from betting this. But if this gets, like, if this gets to like cl- anywhere near plus 200, like I'm talking like, I'm trying to think of like an exact odd that I would bet because I try to give you guys that info when I talk to you just because sometimes I say that I would if he hit a certain odds, but then I don't give it. So uh, I don't know if he, pro- if he breaks plus 150, I think I'm going to have to go with Nemkov as much as that hurts me because I've been a fan, I've been a fan of Bader since the, the tough reality show. I, I was at the event that he lost to uh, John Jones when John Jones got the title, like Long time Bader fan. And like, actually, I, I had picked Bader in that fight. It was like the, the one of, I think, two fights I've gotten wrong about Bader. So I don't know. Either I'm hope I'm wrong here or hope I get good odds. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Mike, this main event, Ryan Darth Bader, 2 8 champ. First time to 205 since end of 2017 versus a combat sambo, Fedor Prodigy. Age on his side, but maybe lacking a little bit in experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to be a great fight. The problem with Bader is that he's not really that great of a striker, and and kind of thinks he is. Uh, you know, I think that if he can't get a takedown, you're going to see a very similar outcome to you know him fighting. I think believe Anthony Rumble Johnson. He went for it for a takedown and crumbled right at his feet. And oh, dude, the, he he dove in from that takedown. Yeah. Okay. You're exactly right. From halfway across the cage. Yeah. He barely so, reached his ankles. It was bad. I, I, I think the line is total bait for Ryan Bader because uh, the Bader that we you like and that has, has so much experience would fall at like a negative 280 type favorite versus mm-hmm. someone this young with less experience and uh, et cetera. So I really like this Nemkov kid. I think that a som- com- Sambo combat background, his aggression, the higher testosterone, the just... I think he's just a little bit meaner than uh, Bader standing for sure. And if he can just keep the stuff a couple takedowns from Bader, uh, Bader's going to break, in my opinion. So I I really like Nenkov at the plus money. And so I'd go uh, dog odds on him. Okay. So you may be wondering why we talked about Bellator. We do talk about Bellator periodically, especially when they're, they're bigger fights. But we're doing that because, honestly, this upcoming UFC card, UFC 7, Vegas 7, they need to find a new way to name these, is not a strong card. I'm sorry. It's, it's not. And I know some of the cards aren't. There is a solid, like, I'll tell you what. There's three to four fights that I know I have to watch. 
besides that, I mean, it's might as well still be listed as TBA versus TBA. Um, so we're going to do quick picks for this one for the vast majority of it. We're probably, we're for sure going to talk about the co-main event versus main event uh, in this one and some breakdowns earlier than that. But Mike, I will tell you what, I'm going to do quick picks for most of them. And if you have anything extra, by all means, throw it in. <laughs> um, we'll start. The first one on here is Mark Striegel. He's a plus 415 underdog to Tamur Valia of minus 525, who, if you remember from a few shows back, me and Mike were super high on when he was going to fight before that fight fell out. It was one of the fight cards that was, it was our only bet. We were super confident, and we were, but he was not a minus 525 favorite in that fight. He, it was like minus 160, I think, versus his original opponent at that one. But no, he's fighting someone else that's a little bit more of a tomato can because they wanted to get him a fight, and he's going to smash this kid. Um, I hope he gets a finish, but I mean, it's, either way, I think it's going to be a dominant win, but minus 525, can't do much with that. So my pick is Valiev, Mike. Valiev versus Strigel. Yeah, man. I mean, it just shows you that you and I were, had some uh, good eye on the prospect Valiev uh, before because the odds were a lot better versus his last opponent. They obviously see what we kind of see in this guy that he's got, you know, a good all-around mixed martial arts game. So I, I think Valiev's going he's gonna do whatever he wants to do. Next up is Matthew Semmelsberger, plus one ten versus Carlton minus, um, minus three one thirty. I have a little more experience with minus. Seen him fight. Um, I just like him a little bit here. Um, other than that, I guess I'll go minus. I have a positive for minus, Mike. Minus or Smellsburger. <laughs> His last name's terrible, but uh, I would, I'm a little bit more familiarity for minus, and I would go with him. Yeah, I'm probably pronouncing his name in a way that makes him sound so much more terrible. Um, Jorge Gonzalez, actually, I, me and Mike talked about this earlier. I did like him in this spot. He was a plus 110 underdog versus Ike Villanueva uh, at the minus 130, but George Gonzalez is out as of about two hours ago, I believe, is when I saw the report. And Jordan Wright is in to fight Villanova. And at the time of the notes and when we were planning this podcast, they didn't have odds out. But let me quick see if they've updated that in the last brief amount of time likely not but you never know uh nope not yet oh well um a little extra stuff to be able to talk about but guess not uh next up austin hubbard is plus 120 versus joe selecki minus 140 i actually really like austin hubbard here uh he was almost a bet for the show at the plus 120 a little higher dog odds maybe i'm not quite as confident in him i do think that like the odds are somewhat flipped i think he should be the minus 140 favorite, or if not, maybe 130. Um, I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, I think his ceiling is a bit higher. I like the camp he's coming from. And as weird as it is, one of the main reasons I didn't want to bet him is because someone told me that Brendan Schaub picked him for these odds for a bet, and he's the biggest jinx when it comes to picking a fighter, so I don't want to put money on something that that's there. So we're going to move on, although I'm going to pick Hubbard. I'm going to avoid him like the plague. So, uh, Mike, Hubbard versus Selecki. Oh, man, I, I would pick Austin Hubbard, too. But after you tell me that, uh, you know, the biggest snitch in the world over there, Brendan Schaub's picking him, I, I'm going to go with Joe Selecki now. Yeah, you got to avoid that, man. It's Once I heard that, like I was listening, I can't remember which show or I don't know. I have so many podcasts in rotation at some point. I've been catching up because I was on vacation last week that I've been listening to a lot. <laughs> and I can't remember if it was on one of the shows he was on or someone referenced it in another one. But once I heard that, I'm like, come on, man. 
come on. That was like the one. Hey, was decent underdog odds. Come on. Whatever. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, uh, Mizuki Inoue minus one forty versus Amanda Lemo, uh, Limos plus one twenty. Um, I don't know much about Limos per se. I don't. Um, I like Mizuki uh, Inoue as a fighter. Uh, I've been watching her for a long time. I, I, skills wise, I think she's better. Obviously, this is what the dog odds are. If, the only downside is, if I recall, she is uh, the smaller fighter, so you worry that she can get pushed around a little bit. But in terms of a decision which this will likely be i think she's going to have the volume there to get said decision again might be a split but i think she's going to get it like in a way versus limos yeah i mean this is going to be a weird one if, if une was a little bit bigger i would pick her for sure but I, i'm i'm a little bit worried that she, she's going to get bullied around a little bit by limos um definitely going to be a decision win in my eyes in the end uh but i, I i'm gonna have to go with limos yeah i don't know man the more I look, I'm starting to lean towards that way. I don't know. I just... It's the size. It's the, the uh, it's what she she was an atom weight in right, well, Victor? She, she should be an atom weight. It's yeah. but there isn't one. So it's kind of like her I mean, she's five three and yeah, her weight class is one twenty five, but if I recall, yeah, when she was an in Invicta and in deep, she fought at one oh five, I believe. Or between one fifty I think she floated between one oh five and one fifteen. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. Something like that. And it has her listed at is this a flyweight fight? Sorry, I I thought this no, this is yeah, this is one fifteen. I was sorry. Like no, for, well, it, had, it had her listed at one twenty five. So I think maybe her last fight she filled in last minute or something like that. Oh, that's right. She did on one of the before everything happened. She filled in on one of the Asia cards, right? On yes, UFC. Yeah, UFC on plus UFC SPM plus fifteen. She hopped in uh last minute and was up that way. Look okay. at the whole 125 thing threw me for a second. I'm like, am I completely forgetting and thinking of the wrong fighter? No, I've liked Mizuki in a way since I saw her in Invicta. I had high hopes for her. And I know she doesn't have a lot of power, but I like her skill. And it just, she went on that losing run and two good fighters. It obviously was two good fighters and just, it hasn't quite panned out. And she got, she hopped in, got the split decision win in the UFC. She's still here. But I don't know. There's plenty of fighters that I, I like that uh, can throw the output. And like you said, like they can get outsized and pushed and controlled. And yeah, so I'll pick <laughs> all of that to say for no bet whatsoever. I'm picking Mizuki in a way. So I'm, I'm going to move on. Um, we have the first of the Rodriguez men fighting. We have a Takashi Sato plus 160 against Daniel Rodriguez minus 185. Showing my cards a bit. I love both him and Mike Rodriguez later on the card. They're just so big of favorites. Like the minus 185, I can't do much with that. I'm not confident enough in that to put a lot of money just on that. And I'm not confident enough to like parlay it with something else because I try my best not to do parlays because there's nothing more frustrating than winning one bet and then losing the second. There's just... Very few things that hurt more than that, um, <laughs> unless you're ultra confident, which I guess with this first one, I would be maybe not later on, but um, I've never been big on Takashi Sato. Uh, I probably said it the last time he fought. Um, I liked him in his last fight. Um, pretty sure I brought that up. I, I, liked the, I liked him against Jason Witt, and he, like, he was phenomenal against Jason Witt, but he had a little bit of hype because he beat Ben Saunders, but that's the Ben Saunders of now. 
not the Ben Saunders of a decade ago, and then lost to Below Muhammad by finish. Um, beat Jason Witt, and now he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez. I don't know. I, I like Rodriguez's jiu-jitsu. I think it's really good. I believe he's um, – you might know this, Mike. I think he's 10th planet jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Do you know what belt he is? I can't remember. Uh, I believe he's a brown belt. Okay. So brown belt, 10th planet jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. His striking has come along. Um, he's beat some na- – like he, he beat – uh, Tim Means, and I know Tim Means isn't looking the best he has, but he, I mean, he's looked decent recently. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm with Dan Rodriguez here. Minus 25 is a bit steep. I was actually really hoping uh, when I heard this matchup, like the minus 150 uh, area, I didn't see open. But uh, pick is Rodriguez, and if you're feeling squirrely, you can put him in a parlay, but I am not. So, Mike, Dan Rodriguez versus Takashi Sato. Yeah, I, I like uh, Rodriguez a lot here, too. I think he's got a better cardio. He's meaner, got better boxing, uh, definitely better jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. Uh, Sato, I believe, has two uh, submission losses in the UFC. Um, uh, his only two last losses, I believe, were uh, submissions. And so I, I think that that Rodriguez has uh, every avenue to win this fight, and, and he should. Next up. Every time I read her first name, I feel like I'm going to say it wrong. Because I think it should just be Maria, M A R I Y A. So I'm gonna go with that. Maria Agapova versus Shane Dobson. But that's not it. She's a minus twelve fifty favorite. <laughs> minus twelve fifty. That's crazy. Her name is not Chris Cyborg. Her name is not Ronda Rousey. Her name is not insert dominant female champion or close to it fighting a no name. And I know people have been down on Shayna Dobson, but I mean, dude, minus twelve fifty—that's it. This is borderline one of the ones that makes me want to throw a little bit on Shayna Dobson because good chance it could be a close fight. Like, there's not that big of a difference between the two. I don't know. I'll think about it for a second, Mike. How do you feel about uh, Agapova at minus twelve fifty versus Shayna Dobson? Uh, I definitely do not like that number. I would never bet that number. Um, I, Agapova is mean, dude. She is very, very vicious. She stands. She has aggressive striking and elbows and knees. She she is a lot meaner than most people know of. I, I see what they see in her. And Shanna Dobson uh, stands flat-footed with her chin out. I, I think that uh, Agapova is going to light her up. Dude, when was the last time the UFC had a fighter that had a losing record? Is that Dobson, right? Yeah, I can't think yeah. of it. I'm trying yeah, to think. Like, I, was, I was racking my brain going into this. I'm like, we, we oh, call I'll, that think, a, I'll, I'll think of someone else. I mean, she's three call, and four. We call that a goldfish. She's a feeder fish. I mean, I, and the, the thing about it, too, though, is, man, I know she was in the Ultimate Fighter. Like, go team. But going into the Ultimate Fighter, she was two and one. And then in the UFC... She's one and three. They have a three and four fighter. I understand she fights for Elevation Fight Team, and I do love those guys. I'm a big fan of that camp in general. Hubbard fights at that fight team. That's where so many of the great guys from over there. I think Curse Blade spent some time there. That's where you got Justin Gagey. Spent some time. like all those Colorado-based guys. That's where they are at. But she lost to Priscilla Cachuera. That's dude. I, I know it's my twelve. Oh, okay. I mean, obviously you have to pick Agapova, but I don't know. I get a little squirrely anytime you have such extreme odds for that when you don't have like a champion fighting like a number 20th ranked person. So Agapova, I'm not going to spend too much more time on that. We'll move on. Uh, Mike Rodriguez 
is fighting uh, Marcine Prochnio. 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 I'll go Prochnio because it's Polish. Uh, Rodriguez is minus 235. I said I like both Rodriguez guys. Yes, but they're crazy steep odds. Minus 235. Uh, quite. I, I do, and I would assume his ground game has come along. I think he's at uh, Lausanne uh, Mixed Martial Arts there with uh, with Joe and his brother, but I guess maybe not. <laughs> he's got a lot. He's got long reach. He's tall. His jab is nice. I really like him in the spot. Um, man, that's so steep. At <laughs> the minus two thirty five, um, and I'm sorry, anybody that gets knocked out. You got it has it has striking ability. You got to pick the guy that can strike against a guy who's lost by finish to Sam Alvey. Man, I know Sam Alvey supposedly has amazing power, but he's so slow now. If you can get out of the way of that, you're done. So I don't know. I really like Rodriguez here. I do think he's gonna get the finish. I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pass it to you, Mike, and while you break it down, I'm gonna look up what inside the distance is because that actually might be a little bit worth it. So how are you feeling about Mike Rodriguez versus Marcin Procneo? Yeah, I mean, uh, Marcin has what two losses on his last two, uh, you know, times in the UFC. Um, I, I think that Rodriguez has really, really good long uh, length, and his reach should be a, a little bit crisper and, and longer than uh, Prasin. I think that he's in a lot of trouble. I think he should be able to Muay Thai clinch Prasin and, and damage him with knees to the body, uh, and possibly finish him up. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, Prasin has a chance, right? I think it's a decision, and that's it. But I, I think that Rodriguez is the better athlete and will win it. If you were watching this live or are watching the YouTube, that sad and slightly disgusting look on my face that I made was not anything having to do with Mike, the real Mike. It had to do with the odds on Inside the Distance and TKO. They're not good, man. I wish... They're not even plus money. Um, obviously, most people are on the same wavelength we are. Rodriguez inside the distance is minus 150, and him by TKO is minus 135. I'm not. There needs to be a plus there for me to think about. If that was like plus 120, plus 130, I'm like, yeah, that might that might be worth a bet because it's like his way to win here. But, oh, well, still going with Mike Rodriguez, but moving on. So this may have seen a little bit light, the show, in terms of bets. But, I mean... As you've heard, there's not uh, crazy fights, crazy good fights, crazy good angles, crazy good odds other than Hubbard, but we've spoken why we can't bet that because that's just better for everybody. But we're here. In the coming event, we have finally found a bet for you guys. And it's one we both really, really, really like. Ovis St. Prue is a plus 115 underdog versus Alonzo Menafield at minus 135. Ovin St. Prue went up to heavyweight and lost to Ben Rothwell. I'm just I'm pausing for a second. Let that sink in. In today's day and age, Ben Rothwell, after his lengthy USADA suspension, coming back looking like garbage, like looking so slow. And Ovid St. Prue should likely be at least several times faster than him. Lost. And now he's back down to light heavyweight. And he's fighting someone that I'm going to say is OSP's kryptonite, someone who comes right across with anger, with power, with just concussive blows over and over again. 
OSP needs a round and a half to create distance and odd movements and get you in weird spots. And obviously OSP fights, weird stuff happens. We've talked about that. We've talked about past OSP OSP fights, weird stuff happening. But also we've seen plenty of OSP fights where a guy with some seriously heavy hands and power come across, put some hands on him and OSP going that night. And I think OSP is going that night. Mike, opinions on OSP versus Alonzo Menafield. Oh, man, if you guys listen to the show for as long as uh, we've been on every single time that we talk about OSP, it's it's nothing usually good. Um, you know, OSP is, is one of those guys who shows up sometimes and then he doesn't show up at all. He shows you something cool and then he don't show up at all. He is never fully in it 110%. Alonzo Menafield is a fucking monster, dude. He has got the body of a Gotti. He is Batman in a suit. He is what OSP wishes that he was. OSP's head is is not in the game. He does not like taking damage. Once Alonzo Menafield grabs a hold of him and lays hands on him, uh, OSP is going to do everything in his life to get this fight on the ground. I still think that uh, Menafield's too strong and is going to be able to toss him around, has great cardio. I, I think Alonzo Menafield is, like you said, his kryptonite. This is why we'll be throwing down the, the bet times two. Uh, the odds are at negative 135, so we'll be throwing down point or we're putting down 2.7 units to win two units on Alonzo Menafield to whoop OSP's ass. 100%. Like 100%. It's like, I, I am sorry to OSP. I can't remember the last time I talked about this, but it's like, I'm sorry. I'm going to put this two ways. One, Alonzo Menafield has been training at Fortis MMA, which we've been pretty high on. They've had a few bumps recently, but I'm just going to put this for comparison for you. That's in Texas, where gyms have been predominantly open throughout this whole scenario. So he can actually get training, have training partners, get ready. OSP has never, ever trained at a legit MMA gym. He built a camp around himself that basically all they do is teach him like cardio kickboxing and strength and conditioning workouts. He's not at a formal gym. He doesn't have major training partners. And that's been his whole career. And he just has never hit where he could have hit because he doesn't have the training for it. Whereas Alonzo Metafield, that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, I know something's going to have to happen quick because he's 32. Um, but he's got a chance to be quite a bit of a flash in the pan. It's up to him how long that lasts. And this is where it starts right here. So he better go across the cage and put some serious pans on OSP. Cause if you get OSP backpedaling, you have him for the rest of the fight. He doesn't even need to get the finish. He just has to put some serious hands on him early. And then OSP is going to be on the defensive for at least two rounds. And then there's the fight. So obviously weird fluky stuff happens in an OSP fight, but you know what? Not weird enough to keep us away from the bet. On Alonzo Metafield, as Mike said, 2.7 units to win to at the minus 135. We will review that at the end, as always. But now we're going to jump to the main event. Please, 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 please don't be another sad OG vet falling on a sword. We have Pedro Munoz's minus 255 against Frankie the Answer Egger at plus 215. Frankie, the former lightweight champ, the former three-time featherweight contender now finally here at bantamweight which we've been talking about for a long long time <laughs> he was even on his way to 135 before he bounced up to what uh, to fight zombie on last minute notice at 145 but we're finally here man we're here at 135 we're here against pedro munoz who's got some serious hands and a serious ground game 
I don't know, man. Does does Frankie still have it, Mike? Can he do, can he do this? Do you think he could do this? Uh, yeah, dude. I think that uh, Frankie's world class wrestling is so far superior than most people really understand uh, wrestling levels. I still think it's uh, world-class enough to beat Munoz. I believe the Dodson beat Munoz because of his wrestling and his scrambling ability. Um, I, I think that this is one of the fights that Frankie Edgar can beat. Uh, Pedro Munoz just lost to Aljamain Sterling, I believe it was, in his last fight. Aljamain Sterling is uh, a training partner of Frankie Edgar with uh, Matt Saralongo and them. They're very uh, close with uh, his boxing coach. So they all utilize each other as training partners. Uh, Mark Henry is, is who I'm just referring to. I know that they, they all are intertwined and then they use each other greatly. Uh, he trains with uh, some of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in the world over there on the East Coast. I don't see Frankie getting subbed. So the only thing I look out for is a fluke knockout, but uh, Frankie Edgar's got five rounds to do a five-round wrestling performance on a guy who doesn't like wrestlers. So I really like this chance at Frankie Edgar to win this fight. Honestly, the only thing I have nerves about at this point in time is Frankie Edgar's chin. Um, not saying it's gone, because I don't. I don't think it's gone. But now here at 135, when you think about how much damage he took at 55 and didn't go out, and how much damage he took at 45 until it finally put him out. The 135 makes me nervous. Um, I wanted him to be at 135 back five when. years ago. Yeah, because I would have loved, like, you can't tell me that, let's see, time wise, right when the UFC came over, or WEC came over, and you had Dominic Cruz as the, uh, the bantamweight champion. And the hard part is, is Frankie was the 155 champion at that point. So it's kind of hard for that. But when those guys were in that level of prime, I would have loved to see Frankie Edgar fight Dominic Cruz because Dominic Cruz is dominant with his wrestling mixed in with the, like he's basically like the herky jerky odd style version of Frankie Edgar, whereas Frankie Edgar had the more powerful wrestling and better, like all those things like that would have been my dream fight. And that was like you, like you said, like minimum five, six years ago, if not longer. And now he's finally here at Bantamweight and he's 38, dropping down. I don't know, man. There's a reason why, although Frankie Edgar is plus 215, that this is not a bet on the show. We love Frankie. Skill for skill, if this was even the Frankie of three, four years ago at Bantamweight, I pick him in this spot all day. I pick him in this spot all day. I'm curious why this is the odds. I probably put too much money on it. All those things. I'm nervous for him, man. I really, I really, really am. Um, especially the way vets have been going. I know it gets a little sad sap again, but I'm picking for Edgar because I do think he has the ability. Um, obviously, Munoz was originally known for being a, a sick grappler on the ground, has shown a little bit of power on top, but it's still not... It's not fluid striking. It's power striking. Like he beat Cody Garbrandt because he got Cody Garbrandt to, to brawl with him. If he gets you to brawl with him, he's still got a strong enough chin. He's going to get going with it. Whereas uh, if Edgar can take the shots, he for sure has the output and he has the superior wrestling. So there's a lot of check marks going his way. So I'm going to pick him. And if you're confident in him, by all means, put money on him. We will be rooting for Frank Yeager. Probably the whole MMA for Money team will be rooting for Frankie Yeager, New Jersey native that he is. So kudos to Frankie Yeager going all for him. And I do think he's got a shot here. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm trying to 
like, you know, we've talked about uh, disrespectful odds and like when things start to get to a certain level and like when they get too far, you almost bet strictly based on that. And like where we were with Vera, we were so close to just strictly based off the disrespectful odds. Right now we're at plus 215. At what point, Mike, do the odds get too disrespectful for Frankie Edgar that you just got to go that way? Uh, plus 250 for sure. Probably If it gets just 40 more cents on the dollar, I'll, I'll be over at it. I'll tell you what, we will make that as a commitment on the show. And I don't mean commitment like, oh, guys, we're going to hold hands and we're, this is a, a promise and we, we're, we're promising each other. This is a we're counting this as, as a bet for the show. If it hits plus 250, we will put a unit on it if he hits plus 250. Because, like, agree, that's disrespectful odds. Mike, do you agree to that? That if it hits plus 250, that, that'll be a bet for the show? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm going to write that down because I want to make sure I'll put that for our show notes to let you guys know how many bets we have going for the show. Oh, this one is tentative, so that might be a little bit odd. So, you know, we're going to do a quick review of the bets for the card. Obviously, we just talked about them, but just to completely clear things up, we have uh, to win two units at the minus 135 on Lonzo Menafield, so that's 2.7 units to win the two. And we have a tentative bet on Frankie Edgar if he hits the plus 250. We will make sure to shout out those numbers once they get hit. It'll be something like on the Twitter account or our personal accounts. It'll be like plus 250. You know what that means. And that means the trigger has been pulled and we're all there. Hopefully it doesn't get slammed too much and drop back down. So keep an eye out for those notifications. Um, we will be back next week. We will be previewing UFC on Vegas 8. Yes, I agree. They need new names. Smith versus Rackick. Or or I've heard it pronounced like seven different ways. But that's actually going to be really, really good. A heavyweight fight. We've seen to have a lot of them recently and a lot of them coming forward. A lot of fight announcements have been happening. We have Curtis Blades for Derek Lewis happening. They've talked about Dominic Cruz, oh, sorry, Dominic Reyes uh, versus Jenny from the Blocker Boy and talking about what's going to happen to John Jones going forward. So a lot happened at light heavyweight and a lot of great fight announcements happening. Mike, anything to say before we bid adieu to the people live and the people listening? Well, to you, it's live. Whoever's listening at any moment after this is recorded. So to all of you live. <laughs> I just appreciate you guys listening and giving us likes and the subscribing. Uh, I can't thank you enough. i uh, also like to shout out my boy over at Melon Hat Company. When I'm wearing one of the hats right now. He uh, specializes in uh, luxury line uh, apparel hats. Uh, they're all over the world. Uh, LA Kings, uh, just Phil Mickelson is sponsored by them. Uh, he's amazing. He sent me these hats. So go check out at Melon brand hat company nice you want to quick spell that out for the people in case they really want to check it out yeah it's m-e-l-i-n and uh the hat that i'm wearing is uh, called a watermelon it's a uh, waterproof super cool see because i was spelled the wrong i would have gone with the o it's all good well, so there you go okay so okay do not forget to subscribe to the show on your platform of choice if you don't want to watch us live because i mean like we're live right now so you can see us right now like if I, what you don't know is I'm sliding back left to right to mess with the sound, to mess with our sound engineer T right now, just to mess them later. So he has to do extra editing, but you didn't know that. But now you do if you're watching live. But if you're not watching live and you want to watch us later, we have our we are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket, Pocket Cast, Overcast, RSS feed. We've talked about YouTube a lot recently and this is live on youtube currently it will be recorded on youtube after the fact as well as little cut up bits for you guys subscribe to that we're really trying to grow 
that one. It's a great way to bring people to the show, especially because now we have live video. You can see me. You can see Mike. You can see the red clock behind me. You can see the red shirt I'm wearing, the green shirt Mike's wearing, the painting behind him. I'm just listing stuff behind us. So you know the crazy things that you're missing. I got a palm tree in the back. I don't live in California. Mike lives in California. I live in Chicago, but I got a palm tree. And you're missing out on the palm tree by not watching the show. Do you see what you're missing? Sorry for the diatribe, but um, (laughs) thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Yes, I will be back next week. The vacations are few and far between. And again, again, big shout out to Mike. Mikey. Mikey, Love you, Mikey Gill. Mikey Gill. Check him out on Twitter. Great follow. And with that, let's roll.